Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 94 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardRoom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. And join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, you are back uh, from Adventures. We are going to do two back-to-back today. So we've got some questions here and we're going to keep it pretty tight on an hour an episode. So if we are either you know, in the middle of mid-rant or that, I'll sound some sort of bell um, <laughs> and uh, we can take it off. So... Episode 94 and 95 might seamlessly sort of link into like two, you know, big things, but they will be separate episodes. So, Alex, you're back from your latest rap battle adventure. We've not spoke uh, in two weeks, so how's, how's things? What's been happening? Uh, it's been good, you know. There's been re- some real-life stuff reared its head right when I got home, but it seems to be uh, essentially... Uh, I I can't really go into any details, but whenever you're in a bad spot, just, you know, trust clinicians. It seems like, or trust the experts when it comes to that. Don't, don't try to fix it. Something I've realized the last couple of weeks is like, oh yeah, I'm 28 years old. I don't know anything. Like there's a lot of stuff. I don't know how to, you know, like I'm thinking like, oh, I run my household. I run I run things around here. I run my businesses. I know what I'm doing, but there's also there's just things that come up. I just don't know how to deal with it. Uh, don't ask me to go into more detail than that because I don't know if it's really fair to the people involved. <laughs> when I've talked about stuff like this before in the past, people have, hey, I heard on your one outer podcast with a hundred thousand downloads, you brought up this, and it's like, oh yeah, uh, sorry about that. And uh, but yeah, the rap battle was great. Uh, it was judged, and I won uh, all three. I, I won all three judges' scorecards, and nice. all, only one judge gave one round to the other guy. And people around me were telling me it was BS. They're they were like, "What round did he win?" You know, like, and yes, it was cool. It was a we were in somebody's backyard, which was a little different. And then, <laughs> at which at first I was like, "This is kind of lame, dude." You know, like I didn't, you know. Uh, it, it, well, you kind of you, you fly up there. You're always kind of hoping for the stage, right? And uh, you're hoping for the stage and like the big crowd or whatever. But it turned out to be like a really big crowd, and people were like crawling all over like the rooftops, like nearby, right, to like watch the <laughs> battle. It was crazy. I took pictures of it. I'm gonna do a post, but like, yeah, like everybody was all up on like there, there were like two separate houses. People were all up on the rooftops and like. 
when you were rapping, like, there's this silence, you know what I mean? Like, everybody would listen to you, and then, like, it would just roar when you got something going. And, yeah, anyway, I, yeah, I had a few, I had a haymaker on the third, which just shut down the place, which was pretty cool. And uh, I, it was one of those crazy battles where it just seemed like everything I said they were reacting to. And it was, uh, the stuff they weren't reacting to was, like, I knew it wasn't going to get much of a reaction. It was more for the guys on YouTube that like replay, replay battles. And there's two separate audiences when you do the battle rap. Uh, there's, there's the live audience, which I always thought I did a really good job of catching, uh, just for whatever reason. And then, but there's also a huge YouTube audience that like replays the battles and like tries to catch subtle things that they didn't catch before. And uh, I, I always try to, like, load up things you wouldn't catch the first time. And then what I try to do is just a lot of my setups have, like, real intricate wordplay. And then, like, the punchline is pretty – I want everybody to understand, like, pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, but, like, I, I did have a few schemes that were a little more subtle. And then there's, there's lots of things, like, if you think about it, if you think about the preceding lines, it makes a lot more sense. But, uh, yeah, so when I was trying to be subtle, I was subtle. And when I was trying to move people, I moved them. And, yeah, it was cool to finally get, like, the judge win. Like, at one point, the other dude I was battling was just like, oh, man, screw this. <laughs> like, he was just like, I, I can't, you know, whatever, man. Like, he just, he was not a, he's a cool dude. He was a 1C Slim. He, he was cool. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely different. And, uh, yeah, how you been, man? Uh, congratulations on your divorce with uh, the European Union. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, Scotland technically voted to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I was wondering about that. How do you guys, uh, uh, like, this is just me from the cheap seats, like, you know, drinking a beer and not knowing anything. Uh, how is Scotland going to get in the European Union? Because it, doesn't Spain have to ratify you, it, yeah, no, nobody knows. I mean, you're saying you're drinking beer in the cheap seat. Yeah. People on the front benches uh, <laughs> don't of know. British democracy don't know. So, yeah. um, I did, yeah, it's a shitstorm. I did, um, like, so we'll see what happens. I did, like, what's his name, Nigel Farage, like, doing the speech, like, now I know yeah. none of you damn people have worked a day in your life. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. pretty true, right? Like, but, yeah. well, I was even reading, like, a refutation article, and they were like that's not true a lot of these people were teachers before they became politicians i'm like same crap like you know just government office you yeah. know what, well, what are people, you talking people, about people were criticizing nigel for i said this coming from a banker whose father was a banker or i'm like well technically who said this becomes that whole left debate like it's not a real job unless it's manual labor or you're digging right. ditch you know so well then yeah. the funny thing to me is like the left always identifies with like the manual labor people uh in the states except for if they're white right like there's a ton of like mi- mining towns in the united states that obama did this thing which just blew my mind they were like are you know are you going to shut down the mining uh are you going to shut down the mining towns and he was like well it's it's not going to be illegal to uh have a mine uh but anyone who does so is going to go out of business. <laughs> and it was like, that that sounds a whole lot like it being illegal and a really smarmy-ass answer, you know? And then, yeah. and I was just, you know, there's like lots of people like out of work across the straight states because of these environmental directives, which, by the way, nobody 
they never make China or India adhere to, right? Like every time they do a climate summit, they rub their hands together like, ooh, we got something done today. And then you read the fine print. It's like, ah, oh, China's not going to be doing anything for 20 years. Okay, that's awesome. You know, a, bil- a billion people in China want a car within the next 10 years, but it's okay. Leonardo DiCaprio drives a Prius. And uh, it, it, like everybody, you know, it, they put these people out of work and then, you know, it, 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 they're... I don't know. It's always like, yeah, for the working man, we need to do this. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't <laughs> like 2006 when I got out into the workforce, things were looking pretty good. And that was with uh, George Bush as president. Now, I'm not saying he was a good president. I'm just saying like free enterprise was doing pretty well. And under Obama's directives, like the rich have gotten richer and the poor have gotten poorer. So I don't know how this is. And by the way, I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm just let, I'm just letting you know what I, again, from the cheap seats, this is what I see. I'm not Republican or Democrat. I hate both of them. I just, I'm noticing nothing's really getting done when either of them do anything. And by the way, the Republicans have nothing either. They just, you know, they're, they just sit on the sidelines and shout no. And it's like, well, that's not really a good, you know, like people can't rally behind that. You know what I mean? People can rally behind, like, help the mothers. Like, who's going to deny that? You know what I mean? But at some point, it's uh, I don't know. I could I could go off on this jag forever, so I should stop right now. If you guys want to hear more of my political rants, check out Rants and Raises. That's my new like uh, that that's my new like not very poker related blog uh, on video blog podcast whatever on Assassin Island Coaching the YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out. Vlog, I think the vlog is that what they yeah. call it? <laughs> yeah, did you? Uh, what you? Uh, oh, if you want to, if you want to respond with the less we talk about this, the better. That's fine. But what were you? What were you feeling on that uh, vote? Well, I, I voted remain, but to be honest, I was fifty-fifty right up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 hard, like. I always look at it kind of pragmatically and logically and think there's positives and negatives like to each outcome. Right. So then I just take it, strip it right down to all you can really do and all anyone can do. How will this affect my life? How will this make things easier or, you know, harder for me? And I just thought I do a lot of traveling in, in Europe. It's great jumping just on with the passport, no visa stuff, no holdups, nothing. Right. You know, you're a European citizen as well as a British citizen. You're right through uh, I can send stuff in the EU, tariff-free, customs, no customs duty, etc. And I can buy stuff from Europe as well, you know, like for business, etc. Yeah. Sent from Belgium and other. So it pure, and then it purely came down. Wait, to wait, 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 Belgium. Uh, you know, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't buy from Belgium. Yeah, I can buy from Belgium. Yeah, you, you, tariff-free. Oh, it's tariff-free. Okay, I thought you were saying yeah. you can't. I was like, oh, how... No, 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 it's tariff-free. It's tariff-free. Oh, okay, I mean. okay. Um, so, I, it was purely uh, from my own life, you know, my own point of view that I, I voted. But the main thing that really got to me was reading... Like, I was going to place a bet. I was going to place quite a big bet on Remain. Uh, that oh, was oh, favourite... Oh, oh. It was like 1.8 on Betfair, so you're betting 100 to win 180. And I said, you know, that's that's good price. And then wow. I was looking, and then it drifted right, it, sorry, it came in to like 1.3, so betting yeah. 100 to win 130. And I thought, nah, I th- it's, it's, it's a lot 
tighter than that. I, I don't I don't yeah, buy I'm that. I'm not liking the price, yeah. Yeah, so I watched it, and then as the coverage was coming in 10 o'clock, Leave drifted right out to like 13 to 1, 13.0. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was looking going, now that must be, you know, the bookies are very rarely wrong. And I said, that's, you know, that's it. Is it even point? So, and then the first few results started coming in, and it, it didn't come in that much. I mean, Le- Remain was still a huge favourite. Really? And then I watched it till about 12 o'clock, and I was drifting off to sleep on the, the couch. I fell asleep. I woke up at 4 in the morning, and I was like, oh, Leaves ahead, like a good bit here. And I checked Betfair, and it was like 1.01 for Leave. Wow. And I was like, oh, that, that's it, done. You know, that's it. So, wow. Um, it was crazy. And then what annoys me is you think, the trade, like the the pound against the dollar, was one fifty. Yeah, and if you just think, if you just think of this from a poker like risk reward, it's a good exercise. And I'm kicking myself because why didn't I trade this? And it's because I don't, you know, like really do the trading yeah, anymore. I mean, you, can't, you, you can't do everything, you know. I you just sit and you think, right? The dollar it was pound to one fifty, right? One fifty dollar for one pound. Yeah. Now, what is the downside there if you bet against the drop, right? There's it's not going to fly to like 160, 170, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good but, point. But if Leave wins, then it could be Doomsday, which is why I'm like 10% drop over. Yeah. So that was a huge trade. And then people were betting on gold, going long gold and shorting the pound, which is like the Doomsday trade. And like that worked out and people made crazy money. Yeah, you know, and you, can only, you can only make what you're betting, et cetera. It doesn't right. mean like, I'm going to go make millions. I'm not betting millions, you know, or thousands right, or whatever. Right. But it's still a trade. It's just an important thing well, to I always mean, remember. Like, there's opportunities, like, everywhere, you know, if you just open to them. Well, I mean, something I've learned recently, I've been reading this book by an economist, like, the different problems out there, it, the way they speak of it is there's a difference between a complex and a complicated problem. A complicated problem is, like, b- building a jet engine, Right. It's like it, it's very com- complicated to figure it out. But once you know how to do it, you can replicate it again and again and again. A complex problem is unanswerable. This is like a football game. There's so many trillions of factors. Nobody could know the answer. And it, I, I think this was such a complex problem. Like I, I sleep just fine at night, bet, not betting on any of this because a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a there's some things like I, I bet on. What was it? When Russia's economy tanked, I remember thinking, well, they have total confidence in Putin. Putin's a war horse. Uh, Obama is just an open door, right? I'm pretty sure this guy is going to rally up the currency a little bit. Like, I, I'll bet on that, like a little, you know what I mean? I turned out to be right on that one. But, like, my track record's usually not that good, you know, because it's just one of those things. There's so many things. I, I don't think it's really – yeah, I mean – I think the big thing is if you can hold on to the investment and ride it out if you're wrong, I think that's a good one to go for. So, like, in your case, like, uh, I think you could have held on to a lot of whatever currency, right, and let, let it, like, level out in case you were wrong. So I always think that I always think that's a good time to go in. But I, I think a lot of times people are just hoping to make that quick buck, and I'm like – I am here precisely in my house because I never go for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm the most yeah. risk-averse person you'll ever... Like, people do this crap. Like, poker players always want to put money on a lot of different things. Like, I, I just, I'm, never, I'm never that person, you know what I mean? Like, I'll give you a... 
I'll give you like a hustle, but like, I, I mean like not, well, okay. I get, I'll let it go there, but like, I'll give you like, I'll give you like a fair chance at like gambling with me, but usually I have odds on my side, you know, and I know this. And then, yeah, it's just, I, anyway, it was, I, I, what's it like in the United Kingdom having things actually happen? Because in the United States, we just kind of have charades going on the entire time, and everybody goes up there with their throat warble and yells about things, and nothing ever gets done. You guys have actual referendums where things happen. It's crazy. Like, prime yeah. ministers resign. Scotland votes whether to leave or not. You've, <laughs> the entire country, when you got bored with that, you just took the entire country and decided whether to leave or not. <laughs> you know, I was like, damn, they got, they're cooking over there. Whatever yeah. they're doing, right? And then, uh, yeah, anyway, I guess we should get yeah. into some, oh, no, go ahead, my bad. Yeah, you, you've just got to say that, like, I hate this. I voted Remain, but Leave won. I do not have a problem with that. That's democracy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I don't like is this call for a second referendum because people that voted Leave weren't educated enough Ooh, or they, they didn't understand fair. or they didn't understand what was really up for grabs. Now, I said, okay, there might be X percentage of that, but then flip side, there's X percentage of people that voted Remain that actually think now, God, I didn't know that. I wish I'd voted Leave as well. So it right. could have been, a, you know, that's just a vote. Accept it, you know. <laughs> well, that's very... people were people were talking about let's do another referendum. I was like, that that's fascism. That is just yeah. That's you just know, like... that's Mugabe Mugabe losing and going. Oh, this box wasn't counted correct. We're going to count it again <laughs> on our own in a dark room. Close your eyes. Oh no, I did win. You know, like well, no then, way. Uh, well, the the other thing is. Something I'm going to tell my kids is, like, look, whenever there's a a topic where it's divided right down the middle, it, most likely both sides have a really good point. So You know what I mean? If it's just right down the middle, both sides really have a good point, okay? Your yeah. job is whatever one you stick with, you need to learn intimately about the other side. You know what that is? And because there, I, I find myself, like, with my friends, like, I'm not really into a lot of different things, but I end up explaining the other side to them because I'm so sick of this crap these days where they demonize people. You know what I mean? I'm just like, look, okay, they believe this, this, and this. I always do this with politics, right? I'm like, look, one group of people believes you need to help people with, you know, welfare and like give them a little leg up with some money. Other people think that makes them dependent. Both of these people have a point. Neither of these people are evil, you know, like, yeah. you know, like we can't just like kill each other over it. And it's like, you know, and I was listening. The thing that was amazing to me is all these American celebrities that knew nothing about this two days ago that like just suddenly became like the, you know, they became like the CNN authority that they would pan to. Uh, the day that it happened, right? And they were talking about like, oh my God, you know, like you're, uh, you're, you're uh, uh, the planet Earth is going to fly into the sun because you voted out. And I'm like, you didn't know anything about this two days ago. I still, I've read 30 articles on this. I still have no idea what I think yeah. should have happened. And the, the, the other thing, the thing that was amazing to me is I did read, read these like very, uh, I, I read these articles by like, um, a kind of people like out in the country in uh, England talking about like, look, uh, we used to have like manufacturing jobs. We cannot compete anymore because they'll just outsource everything to Bulgaria or whatever the cheapest member state is, Greece, right? And uh, we can't compete, right? And we don't get anything off the back of that. The rich get richer and the poor people in that country do a lot better, but that's kind of BS at our, our expense, right? And I was like, oh, 
oh, okay, that's kind of a point, right? But then when I bring that up with people that were like, oh, yeah, I can't believe they vote to leave, and I was like, they were so xenophobic. And I'm like, well, I'm sure there were, cer- there were certain xenophobic people, but, like, if you wanted to shut the door on immigration in the UK, I think that that ship sailed a long time ago. Like, yeah. when I walked through London, I mean, I, I mean or what, whatever, I, when I walked through different parts, and it's like, I, I, like, there's sometimes I'm in a neighborhood, I'm like, I'm the only white dude here, right? Like, I, I don't know what they think they're stopping, you know? So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, uh, nah, 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 I'm done. Yeah, let's, let's leave, let's exit the Brexit talk. Let's, <laughs> well let's, done. Let's, let's forget you about it. You both had like, points, you both had points. One yeah, uh, roll with the punches, roll yeah, with the punches, yeah. adapt or die, let's leave it at that. Yep. Um, all right, let's get to the questions. This one is from Sean Connor. Uh, he has sent in a few questions before. This is quite funny, this intro, so um, I'll take it in good heart. I'm sure Alex will as well. Or you, Alex might attack you. We'll see. <laughs> um, hello, fellas. First, I just want to say how mental this podcast is. You've got Barry, probably the most unsupportive co-host around. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's never seen any of your rap battles or read your latest email and usually uses illness as his excuse. <laughs> Yeah. Then you've got then you've got the professional poker player who will answer a question about three betting with a rant about Donald Trump and a question about check raising <laughs> the turn with a rant about finding a coke can on his lawn. <laughs> That's funny. Um, either way, it makes for a great podcast and it's my favourite. A long way. Keep up the good work. Um, anyway, my question: After years of playing micro stakes, cash, and S and Gs. Uh, I've decided to just concentrate on MTTs with a full-time job and a young family. I obviously don't have... My... I'm just laughing at you, Ryan, because there's a Coke can on your lawn. <laughs> that, I, that, that is funny. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> that is yeah. funny. Uh, with a full-time job and a young family, family, I obviously don't have much time for them, mainly the weekend, but I still want to exercise some bankroll management. At first, I was thinking 200 buy-ins, but this may be ridiculous for a recreational player. Now I'm thinking 100 buy-ins. What do you recommend in my situation? I have about $800 in my role, and while not a huge amount of money, I'd like to keep it separate from my real-life money and not deposit again. Thanks. Uh, thank you for... Re- By the way, dude, I thought that was the funniest email ever. You were not mean at all. It was good. It was, well, and I mean... Uh, YouTube, <laughs> here I go, like answering, which has nothing to do with anything. But uh, like YouTube, uh, I was reading just about, you know, like how people like make successful podcasts and stuff, because I was kind of confused. Like, you know, me and Barry just kind of get up here and yell at each other. And that's pretty much it. Right. And I was like, why do people like people come up to me at the series all the time? Right. Just like, oh, dude, your podcast is the best. Right. And I, I read this thing in YouTube. I think it was like 2012, they spent something like $200 million trying to develop original programming with, uh, uh, with uh, people who'd never done original programming before. So like Mary Claire had a channel and stuff like that, and it was all very professional, professional cameras, professional sets, professionals, actor, professional actors and actresses. It was a complete failure. Nobody wanted to watch it. What people tune into a lot of times on the internet is you, they love the long form, you know what I mean? Like the actually getting to know people, you know, and yet part of the appeal of this podcast podcast is Barry is just himself, you know what I mean? He's a wry Scottish cunt and uh, he's, he's just, you know, he's just how he is. 
And it's, I haven't cussed on this podcast in a long time, but to me that doesn't seem like a cuss word. It's like it's a funny thing that people from the United Kingdom say. But like, yeah, in Scotland, it's just it's like a comma. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, no, I mean, this podcast wouldn't be as good if you weren't as like funny as like, yeah, I uh, didn't check it out. Who cares? Like, I mean, to me, that's funny because that's who you are. You know what I mean? You're checking it. You got other stuff going on. You have your own life. You know what I mean? That's what makes your opinion so good on this show. And it's like the way I can bounce my poker ideas off of your real life experiences really helps because a lot more people are more into the real life than I am. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of times I have a blind spot that you're actually picking up on. That's really cool. And then, uh, yeah, as far as your, I would play like eight to $20 buy-ins. I mean like five to $20 buy-ins with your $800 rule. Uh, that will keep you protected. I don't think you have to do 200 buy-ins because I don't know what you're doing for a living, but most people can put 200 bucks in their bankroll again uh, if they go on a downswing. It, it, it's certainly not preferable, but and if you feel like you can't replenish 200 $400, I, I would just go with like $8 tournaments. Now, the way to like, uh, I don't know what your goals are. If your goals are to become a better poker player, uh, I think you're going to have to like play less tables and like really focus. I think a lot of people should be, I think a lot more people should be doing YouTube channels and Twitch channels just because you get, I mean, you, you're going to have to like ignore the peanut gallery. Right. But it, it gives you a motivation to kind of sit there and like enunciate or to like announce through your decisions. Right. Which a lot of people can't do on their own, which is really difficult. Uh, but you're going to have to like talk to yourself, write down notes or something. If you're trying to make money, then you're going to have to multi-table and you're going to have to put in, uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sleep less. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how it is. I I, I don't like saying that because Trisha Cardner has now convinced me that's a really bad idea a lot of the time. But like, I'm like, you know, you know, Mrs. Cardner, like I, I don't call her Mrs. Cardner, but you know, if I was trying to be polite, like I, I got ahead because I could sleep six, five hours a night, right? Like, that's how I got ahead. When I, when I was a kid, I didn't have money, but I had time, you know what I mean? And, uh, I, you know, I was doing – my life was pretty stressful from 18 to 21. A lot, I, a lot of people think I was just, like, grab-ass and, like, playing around. Uh, I, I was still kind of taking care of a lot of people and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, I was living on my own and playing with a gun to my head, you know, because it was just – it, 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 poker was so weird back then, you know, there was no, no way I knew it was going to work. And then, uh, I, I just kept, you know, what I could do is I could work 16, 20 hour days a lot of the time. And if you got a real job and it's like eight hours and then you're going to come home and you're going to play like a four, six hour session, that's a 14 hour day. That's a lot, you know? So you're going to have to, if you're going to play for money, I think I don't even think that's really a good idea because it ends up being really bad for the family because you don't have as much time for them. You have no energy when you are finally off. Uh, you can play like smaller, more concentrated sessions uh, that I would really think about switching to cash games. Uh, there's really uh, there's really good games on America's card room that are open constantly. And like playing heads up is something you can do for two, three hours a day and you will get a ton of hands in. Right now, this one's going to be much more the learning curve with this one is a lot steeper. Right. Uh, but it's also you can play for a very small amount of money and you'll play you'll play with people who are taking it really seriously. And to me, it's a blast. Right. 
And uh, I still love to play heads up, right? I don't, I don't put a lot of it on film or anything, uh, you know. And I, I tend to, uh, I, I tend to be, honestly, I'm, I'm real, I'm still really learning, right? But like the people who get good at that can play two, four hours a day, and like they can really move up, right? Are like six max, especially like with the rake back on America's Card Room. And I don't just recommend America's Card Room because we work with them and because they're great people. Like they honestly are like super. Very, very continue. Have how many? I don't think we've had like a problem with them, right? Like they're just no. they're super. Like, hey, you guys do what you want to do, right? And like, but like they really do pay out rake back, and nobody else pays out rake back, and rake back's a huge issue. So I was, uh, I, I, I really am a big fan of like if you got two four hours a night, like four, I think all you should be playing is four hours a day when it comes to cash games until you become like really, really good, right? So I, I think that could really help. And then if you just play like one hour and then study for half an hour, like you will like fly ahead of a lot of people. And that doesn't mean you have to give up on MTTs, but you know, there might be specific. I think you should be diversifying a little bit and trying like in 2007, I realized I don't have as much time for, uh, I, I had a lot of life stuff going on. I don't have as much time for MTTs as I used to. And they were starting to become pretty variance prone so I had to learn another skill. And like the first six months of playing cash games were super difficult. But once I figured it out, right, like, and I never got like that good. Like I'm a much better like tournament player than I am a cash game player. But I did make a decent living playing cash games on like small networks. And uh, the, it's really just nice to always have that uh, to go back to. So, you know, I, I would, uh, but the big thing is you play every day in deliberate practice. You know, just try to have one new thing that you're working on. Try to implement it, review it, see, see if you can break it down with Flopzilla or Cardrunners EV if you want to deal on any of those. Write me at Alex and And they're break it down. And if you can't break it down, that's a problem. Okay? That's a real problem. You need to know when you, uh, when you did something right or when you did something wrong. Okay? Like, I mean, what, here, here's what a lot of people are doing. It's like, I want to be a professional baseball player, right? It's like, okay, can you hit? So they go to a batting cage, and they're like, uh, they're going to a batting cage, and sorry, there's somebody in front of my house. Oh, it's a kid. There's some kid who's, like, spying on my house these days. <laughs> no, like, I went outside the other day, and they were, like, questioning me about my house. I can't, and I was like, huh? You know, and it was like, you know, is it, it, it it's a kid from across the street. It's like, but, yeah, anyway, they, uh, uh, anywho, uh, yeah, I just completely lost my place. But uh, damn it, hold on. You, you need you need to be able to find out whether you've done something right or wrong. Yeah, exactly, whether, exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much for the prompt. See, that's why that's why Barry makes the big bucks. Every twenty minutes, he gives me a prompt when I'm choking, you know. And then uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So anyway, he uh, uh, what what you want? It, it, you want? It's like if you were like learning how to bat. And you first didn't have a hitting coach, right? And then that would be pretty bad, right? You were trying to learn how to hit a baseball and there was no hitting coach. Or you were learning how to golf and you didn't have a, a coach discussing your golf swing. And then you have to be your own coach. But if you don't know how to break it down, that's like hiring a golf coach that went, what did you think of that swing? I don't know. Did you hit it far? Right? <laughs> because you can hit a ball really far and still shank it or – you could hit a ball really far, but not have control. You know, it doesn't, it, it, yes. Yeah, so anyway, 
that I gave you a manic answer in response to your uh, email that said I was manic. So you're welcome, and we'll see. I uh, hope that helps you. Always be sure to write in, man. I really appreciate your questions. And, uh, guys, you can write in uh, questions to me, too, at alexandpokeradress.com. If we can't get them done on this show, I will do them on uh, my, my YouTube channel. We're, we're going to try to get a hold. Uh, we're going to do a lot there. And anyhow, next, next. Yeah, and just to touch on that one as well, the important thing is you made the decision to separate the money. I mean, oh, sounds like yeah. I, I know so many guys like when I used to play live that they, they started to hate poker because it was affecting family life. And Jesus. It's, you, can, you can take it semi-serious right. and still have fun and keep your money separate and probably do a lot better. Yeah. I think if you do that consistently for a year... It'd be a, you'd probably amaze yourself at like what sort of bankroll you can build when you're a lot happier, you're only playing when you're in the mood, and you're doing proper small, you know, small buy-ins with a good bankroll. I mean, the big thing is, is like not to, uh, like, uh, like I for years I struggled with my weight, right? It, I couldn't like I would put on forty pounds, I'd lose forty, right? Like all the time. What I, I didn't what. The problem was is I kept dieting with the goal to, like, stay skinny, right? And then one day I just decided I want to be healthy and I want to enjoy the food I eat at the same time, right? So I did a little research and I realized, oh, I, I just pack on the white bread and that's not really that good for me. I should be focusing more on protein, right? And then uh, – in Ever since then, my weight's been, you know, I'm still a pretty big guy. I'm 220 pounds or, you know, I, I don't know how many stones that is and how many hands tall I am. But 15, 10, 15, 15 stone 10. 15, yeah. so, what? Did you know that? 15, 15 stone 10 pounds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, did you just Google it or how did you? No, no. I, I know 210 is 15. Oh, okay. Okay. I think. I think. What the hell? I thought yeah. stone was like one of those things like. Okay, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, if I were prize fighting, I'm 15 stone, guys, so bet on me, I'm Irish, so bet on me on the next bare knuckle uh, competition, but they, uh, yeah, like, I'm still a pretty big guy, but my weight doesn't fluctuate that much, and my energy doesn't fluctuate as much. With poker, everybody's focusing on how can I make money, how can I make money, I need to make money. I, I, I never got into this for the money. Like I, I wanted a, enough to like have a place to sleep and that was pretty much it, you know, and I wanted to be able to buy my round uh, and that, that I just wanted to be sufficient. But I played poker because I love to play poker and I still love to play poker. That's something I'm really discovering lately is I love to play poker. Like even if it's for like 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, I love to play. I love the thrill of like figuring out a game and like the, the money – if it comes, it comes, but you gotta, like, it's just like if you're learning how to play chess, you don't get into chess thinking you're gonna be, uh, thinking that you're going to be, like, this very rich person, but it could come in the future, but for the majority of people, it doesn't. You have to do it because you love it, and then the guys who play for love of the game are the guys that end up lasting for a really long time and making, like, a really good living but you have to really play to like master yourself master the game at the beginning and i love that you're dividing your money away from uh your living expenses because that's a quick uh road to a living hell is just yeah hating the game because it gets into your living expenses but yeah just play for the enjoyment of the game and then 
you know, play to like master yourself. And part of mastering yourself is learning how to play more tables more competently. That is a fun way to learn, right? And if you can learn how to play more tables more competently, put in volume, you can make a living. Uh, Barry put, made a living uh, playing uh, playing uh, uh, 180 man, sorry. And yeah. he, he made a living like with a, a certain amount of training, right? But uh, there's he he can tell you it takes more time to like, he, you know, he took lessons with me. He learned how to make a living. He learned how to put volume in. But at some point he realized he was going to have to break it down and play smaller sessions again. And it, it, it's really tough, right? Unless you just love it, love, love, love it, right? Mm-hmm. And like he, he realized, wait a minute, I can make 10 times this money and <laughs> something else. <laughs> and uh, the hell with this, right? And I, I, honestly, I respect that decision quite a bit. And that's one of the reasons I do this show with him, right? People are always asking for doing a podcast. And it was like, but, but like everybody liked the banner between me and Barry. And I was like, well, Barry is a guy who understood the cost that poker took. And he decided not to and that i think that's pretty professional i took a diff i took a different approach because i i just love poker more than barry that's it i mean that yeah. you know what i mean i i don't think it's a talent issue at all i just love the game I'll, i i love to play cards and uh if you love to you, play- you also love doing the whole, you you love analyzing yeah i love it more fun it's intense. and i i knew i knew that was that was the crossroad for me i got to the point where I could still, I, I guarantee I could still start tomorrow and within a month be back on my game because right. it was all automatic. I'd grind it and make a living at, you know, turbo sitting goes, definitely. Right. Like, whether it's single table or 180-mans and playing with a hand and, you know, doing a little bit of homework, etc. But what stopped me was that's not enough for me just as a, my personality. I don't want to just be another grinder making whatever, you know, with poker. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be as best a poker player I could be, but the reality got me that I wasn't willing to do the work to become the best I could. So when it comes to poker, I'm willing to do the work in other fields, etc. But when it came to poker, I couldn't sit and play 10, 11 hours every day for, you know, like Moorman and yourself and stuff in the back, that you would sit and play 10, 11, 12 hours every day. Yeah. You would play for free almost, you know, like yeah. or pennies or whatever. I was never like that. It's about the money for me, right? And right. it's about and it's about really time and best use of my time. And I just thought I don't want to play. Like the next step for me was moving up, you know, stakes and playing higher stakes. So like the fifteens or they went up on the start. I think they went up to thirties or thirty fives as well. Mm-hmm. They started doing them, and then it was like, well, the variance with that, the bankroll issues with that, plus the time's going to be the same. Right. Whether it's a $15 or an $8, it's still the same. It's still 180 people, the same blind levels, etc. Right, right. And I, I just didn't see the next, because to become the next step MTT player and then move it and play more live and stuff, it would have took a hell of a lot more work. I couldn't really, like, autopilot. I'd actually have liked to just set up a bot doing what I was doing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I just, just left it there then that's fine you know like and do the bankroll management with it that would have been great yeah you know, exactly and that's the funny I, thing i didn't want i didn't want to be the bot that's the best yeah. way i could explain it well, you know? well the funny thing is like i got to that stage where i was like wow like this is really hard and then i was like i'm gonna hire a bunch of horses and teach them everything i know and it's like human error is a huge deal and variance yeah. is too 
a buddy and I are writing a book right now. And I, and by writing a book, I mean, he wrote like 70% of it. And I, 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 <laughs> I, I screamed in a, a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. Right. But, uh, no, it was just discussing back, and I gave some of the real-world ramifications. I'm like, look, I notice when you do this, this happens, this, when this, this happens, right? And, like, I'm coming to you from a point where, like, back, it never really worked out for me, right? I learned a lot about it. I do consult with a lot of different uh, backing groups because I can tell them, don't do this because this is going to happen, right? And uh, I think I could probably do some money if I got into it again, but it's just so much work. But it's something I respect – about Barry is he realized there's a there's a lyric in a Richie Cunning album, uh, this incredible rapper, right? And he's a uh, uh, Carlos Welch digs him a lot. I dig I dig his work a lot. He's got this album called Night Train. It's just fire, right? But he he has he the whole album is about him just kind of realizing he's not gonna make it as a rapper right and him just living at night in san francisco and kind of having this realization and it's it's really there's a lyric that he says like why do i do everything half-assed and say it's my best and it was like when i heard that i was like how many people do you know who would feel like that right first of all it's an incredible lyric because everybody can identify with that right everybody's done that and second of all, if you're in that stage where he's a super talented rapper, but he, he, I mean, he says in his albums, he feels like he's not making it right. I, I think he's good enough. He's, he, it, I don't know what his situation is, but it's the way the music industry is. It's really tough. But the fact he's so honest in his rhyme about like, I, I don't give this my all sometimes. Right. And that really burdens me when I'm not making it. And there's a lot of people in poker who, like, they're not giving it their all or even close to it. And they sit there pissing and moaning, like, oh, no, this is not uh, – like, this is every – if you go to Vegas right now, you will, you will walk. Like, there's a reason I, – I love Vegas. I love Vegas a lot. Uh, I'm probably going to be out there for the main event, but that's it. Because you walk through the Rio – You'll literally, like, take a good look at everybody in the real. Not one person is smiling. Not one person is smiling. The only people that are smiling are, like, the casual players, right? The guys out there having a good time. And that's who I work with most because they keep me me in a good mood, right? And some of these amateurs have really sharp minds, and they can poke holes in my arguments. And I, you know, the fun, I love those lessons because they keep me on my toes, and I got to figure it out, right? And then if I can help them get through their fears and, like, their problems, I can help them become better players and I become a better player at the same time. But if you look at the professionals or the guys who think they're professionals, everybody's got a dour face. There's literally thousands of these guys walking through like puttering uh, in their sandals and their oversized jeans, right? Bag and sag and berry walk, walking around, right? Walk, wearing their sunglasses in public, you know, took the time to pick out what color beats headphones, but they can't shave or shower. And they're like, they're all pissed off because this is literally what they're pissed off about, Barry. This is this. The, I cannot believe this summer I did not make a million dollars. I cannot believe I made a million dollars. I did not make a million dollars. Excuse me. Like, I cannot believe I did not make a million dollars. Right. They're, they really think that they're supposed to walk in there and just walk away with two million. Right. Never mind the fact that most WSOP events, their first place is 250K, 365K. They really expect to become millionaires. And these are the same people that when they do win, God help them because they, you know, 
now they got to pay their backer. That's 180K. Now they got to pay the IRS. Now it's 120K. And it's like, but I deserve more, you know? So, well, you know, I'm just going to play 110K. You know what I mean? 120K to 110K, that's not that bad, right? And then, then, okay, I'll just play one more. 110K to 100K is not that bad. I'll just play a little 2550, you know? It's a... And then one day it's gone. You know what I mean? They have a WSOP bracelet and it's gone, right? So it's like, <laughs> it, it, it's like yeah, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know. I, that, that kind of stuff, uh, like, it, 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 because, like, I can analyze the game to death and have a great time. I could sit here for three hours just watching training videos and having a great time. And there, was, there came a point I realized, it, it goes to that Mark Cuban thing, like, follow your work ethic, not your, uh, yeah. not your passion. Uh, my work ethic is in studying the game, right? And uh, I, I realized at some point I can become the best teacher in poker. I could become the best coach in poker. I'm probably not going to ever become the best poker player. I, I know for a fact I'm not. I, I don't have the, I, I, I don't have nitrogen going through my veins. I'm too human, right? And, uh, but like, I really love, I can sit here analyzing the game and I love to play too. That's the other thing. There's a lot of coaches that don't play poker, Right, they like went broke and they don't want to play anymore. I can play and check things out and learn things, and then yeah, it's a and a lot of people give me a hard time about that decision, but I'm like, dude, you're like chasing this like high school fantasy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you go to these tournaments and you spend all this money, you know? If you went there and you were staying at the Motel Six and keeping costs down, and you had a good relationship with your backer and you were selling pieces at a nice markup in your pocket and the cash and coming home, but you're not doing that. You know what right. I mean? You're just playing tournaments. You have no, you're drinking most nights. You're smoking weed on breaks at the tournaments. And it, dude, I'm sorry. It's just not going to work out most of the time when you do this. Anyway, yeah. one more question. Then we're out of here. Yeah. I was about to say, we do have a question on Vegas for next episodes, which we are going to record. So let's, let's our, our annual Vegas. Vegas. We'll do it for that. Our annual our Vegas, Vegas fashion. <laughs> before you, before you get on a flight. I, I, love, I love, you know, yeah. man, I, I changed my tune. I went there. I went to Vegas last year with my wife and I was like, dude, you are not putting the work in Vegas. There's literally billions of dollars in Vegas. There's gotta be stuff to do. Right. And I just worked really hard on like creating a bunch of stuff that my wife and I were going to do. And it was a blast, dude. I love Vegas. Now it's a, uh, it's different though. It's high variance. You got to know what you're doing. If you, you know, if you're one of these kids who's like, I'm going to do exit like club Tau or whatever, you're, pr- you're going to have a bad time. It's fun. The with these like belly top on. You know, I, why I was going to, I, going later in the year for my brother's wedding mm. and I was going to be going on my own but I've changed that I'm going with my fiance now for two weeks so it's going to be a different trip I'm looking forward to it a bit more oh, because great. I can show her we can go for good food see some shows that's where it's at and then she can play like little $30 freeze outs happy as well she like dabbles you know with that and yeah. I can play some cash at a tournament there or you something. Go. cash is awesome in yeah. Vegas I'll, oh yeah, yeah. I love it I love, okay. I love it all anyway let's go alright last question we got 10 minutes to do this question uh, um, it is from Jeff uh, hello my question for the show is about pot control is this a dead art I play mainly online games that are around $30 to $50 buy in and I just see people go crazy a lot of the time or inflate the pot in really weird situations um, how can I exploit this okay the two parts of the question kind of confuse me uh, like how they it, interrelate 
but uh, let, let me try to answer the question as best I can. Uh, or I, I think I see what you're saying, which is nobody pot controls anymore. Okay, now I get it. Okay. Um, pot controlling is like not a dead art because if you're going to play with a – there's sometimes you're going to be at a table and you play with a guy for a really long time and you want them to know your checking range does contain some hands. Uh, or, you know, you're playing in a small field. Like if you play on America's card room, you're going to see certain regs again and again and again. And you need to set up the fact that your checking range has some hands. Now, generally, if you're playing, uh, Matthew John is the best I know as far as like building ranges. Uh, his videos on card runners are incredible. And uh, even he says, like, if you're playing like 50 hands with somebody at a tournament, and uh, are you playing like anonymous poker? There's not really a reason to balance. So there's like a lot of times like the classic board you could pot control on is like ace king five, right? And uh, you have king queen and the you check back because there's not on a rainbow board. You're not really worried about anything, right? But I, I'm always, you know, it's weird to me because like if I see that there, I'm represent, I can represent nothing pretty effectively and I think King Jack, King 10, King 9, King 8 suited is going to call me. Uh, and uh, especially people calling out of the blinds these days call really wide. Queen Jack, Jack 10 might call me, right? So it's always one of those things I'm always asking myself, should I really check back here? Now, if I'm playing against Mormon, uh, I, always ch I always check back a lot of the time. You know, I have to like mix it up. Sometimes like I'll look at my watch and I'll be like, or, I, I don't use a watch. Um, I'll look at a clock on the wall and I'll be like, you know, if, uh, if it's, if it's be, if the minute hand is before the four, right. I I'm going to check. And after that, I'm going to bet. Right. And then, uh, I are the second hand. Excuse me. I'll find a way to randomize it. But like generally I'll just bet there because the King's going to call me once and twice, uh, on the turn, I can buy the showdown a little bit. And uh, I, I can bet, you know, not huge, but like decent enough. It looks like maybe I'm taking another shot, maybe 40% of the pot. And I'm pretty sure a king's going to call again because everybody is super suspicious these days. And I don't think folds as much as they should. And then, you know, if the guy's got an ace, that's fine. You, you, just, uh, it, you just restricted the second bet size it, it, compared to like when you check the turn and then the guy leaves the river and then you have to call. Uh, your bet size, you limited his profits while also increasing your profits by betting the turn and getting another street of value. Because if you go bet check back there, it looks exactly like what you have, which is a pretty good pair. So now a pot controlled hand has, uh, I mean, excuse me, now uh, your pot controlled hand looks a lot better. And that person sitting there is going to be like, I, I don't know what I can beat. And if you check back on that flop, a lot of people go, oh. He's got, you know, he's got showdown value. Okay, don't pay down with the jack-10, the queen-jack, and then I'll call one street with a king-eight, right? But in, it, So I'm not really a big fan. I also see people like pot control a lot more with, like, the board comes like ace-seven-three, uh, ace-of-hearts, seven-of-hearts, three-of-clubs, and you have six-seven-of-spades, and the guy goes check-check. And it's like, if you had six-seven-of-clubs, I could understand the check a little bit more because you have backdoor flush draws you could turn to. Uh, but... You don't have backdoor flush draws, and let's count the cards that are bad for you here. An eight, a nine, a ten, a jack, a yeah. queen, a king, a heart. Uh, this is a really good practice, by the way, when you're playing, like listing off the hands that are bad for you. Uh, I think that's a really good way to play.
And then uh, a lot of times, if you can name off half the deck, it's not really a good idea to pot control. Uh, there's also times like uh, the idea to pot control, and pot controlling was created around like 2006, 2007. If you watch some of the earliest card runners videos, Taylor KB would do it because he would check and the guys would just fire whatever the hell they felt like on the turn and river, right? And then uh, they would fire and he would just collect nicely. Now, there's some guys you can check out, like, turn bet versus flop, miss flop C bet, right? And then uh, if that's, like, 60 70% or, like, 100%, sometimes you'll see that. Uh, it, that means that that person fires a little too much, in which case pot controlling is a pretty good idea. If it's, like, 30 40%, that guy only is leading when he has the hand, which means he's pretty suspicious versus pot control lines. That's not a good person to do that with, yet... Nine times out of ten, when I pop open the hood and I take a look at these stats, I find people like don't really know much about anything uh, when it comes to that. And I, I do this, too. Sometimes I'm running too fast and I forget to check that. There's a lot of times, though, like you'll pot control and like the guy leads the turn like 20 percent of the time. Right. And he leads into like three people. And it's like, well, he's probably got second pair top kicker beat. Right. So I should fold. But I see a lot of people not even pay attention to that. So, yeah, I hope these. uh uh, I, I don't think uh, – I, I would really watch Matthew John videos to discuss, like, defending your check and range. I, I think he's uh, – Ape Styles is also really good at this. I think I'm more of, like, an exploitive player. Like, I look at the stats and I go, like, okay, this guy does this. I'm going to do that. And uh, generally, I don't play enough hands with anyone to really – they never really seem to get ahead of me as much as they should. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's happened before. I, I just haven't noticed. But generally, the people I'm playing with, I, I don't get a ton of hands on. Or you know, if it's it, if it's anonymous poker, they don't know who I am, right? And then, uh, it, yeah. So anyway, you go. Uh, I, I would really recommend checking out Ape Styles and Matthew John videos. You can check them out at Card Runners. Use promo code Free Month, all capital letters, to get two months access to two thousand plus videos for just thirty dollars and thirty dollars a month after that. Okay, so wow, that was smooth. Yeah, yeah. I, I've said, I've said that a couple times. I've yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, if you couldn't tell, and uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we're done here. Yeah, we're done. Um, but let's put on the three lens usual closing because some people do just listen to this one and then they won't listen to the next one for a while. Yeah, or coming back to standalone episodes. So without further ado, if you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show. Send them to questions at com. post them on Twitter or Facebook group, and we will get them read out. Alex, how can people get in touch with you and find out information about your upcoming webinars and all the various products you have available? Uh, check out Alex at, po- I mean, write me at Alex at PokerHeadRush.com. Check out PokerHeadRush.com. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to the new YouTube channel. Uh, I, I'm putting up stuff like once a day. I'm going to send a video file to Barry called Ready to Test Your Poker. I mean, I'm going to send him a YouTube link to uh, my webinar, Ready to Test Your Poker. It's a free webinar. You can check it out. And uh, when you watch that webinar at the bottom, you can just uh, subscribe to Assassin's uh, Coaching, that channel. Uh, be sure to play with me on America's Card Room. And please sign up for my email newsletter at PokerAdRush.com. That I publish stuff all over the Internet. And if you guys want to see that stuff, I put it all, I corral it all and put it all together in uh, one email. So you can check that out. The next one's going to have like multiple training videos for free, multiple 
uh, free strategy articles. So uh, be sure to check that out. And, uh, yeah, sign up. Look, looking forward to talking to you all. And, yeah, you can write, yeah. write me in whenever, you know what I mean? Even if I can't answer you, like, an email form, I'll answer you in the form of, like, the YouTube channel, you know what I mean? It might be a brief answer, but it will be heartfelt, and I will give you my answer, all right? Okay, until the next episode, we'll see you all then. Cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.